Great. I'd like to get started. There's, uh, I'm sure, plenty to talk about today. Whenever you're ready. So, as I indicated, although I sometimes am a little bit more um, lengthy about making it exactly clear what's happening when I have time for a review session in addition to the final class period, which we really don't, given the classes on the finals on Tuesday. So that's today's lecture. So I'm here to answer your questions about things that we've covered this quarter. So this is your shot at a review session, and I will answer any question you ask probably, but preferably questions related to Java and processing. Um, please don't ask me um, how many questions or how many points or if a particular, I suppose um, if it's one of the really later topics and something that you think might be esoteric, if you want to ask if it's important that you know that, um, I might entertain a little bit of those sort of questions, but if they get out of hand, I may just rule those questions um, um, no longer eligible. And I do see now I'm wishing I had done a course evaluations on Wednesday and found time for it because I've lost a lot of people here today. But anyway, maybe they'll show up late. So with that in mind, today um, asking questions is really not optional. I mean, I suppose I could start rambling on if nobody asks a question, but I would really prefer to answer someone's question. Yeah, please. Was that a question? What? Absolutely. Not that. My intent is that's all we do today. Yeah, you're on. So, as we now know, what we called global variables during most of this quarter are really what? What's the right word? Yeah. So, what I was... There are, in fact, global variable has a slightly different meaning in a normal Java class than the way I've used, than we used it in here and the way the processing text uses it. So we've realized that what we thought were global variables like mouse x and mouse y were in fact instance variables in some class that we didn't see. So as you are hopefully most of you discovering in the class rocket, although they show up later on, and I threw in the word private, in fact, they're not ints either, they're floats. Among other things, in the rocket class, there are two instance variables called x and y. And in sort of a Webster's notion of global, those two variables, x and y, are meaningful anywhere between here and here, okay? So when you're writing processing code in here, and you've got void draw, to help us understand this, when I put int x, y here, we called those global variables, but in fact, as I mentioned once or twice, and it's really at the edge of what I hope everyone to have grasped, but it certainly helps the other stuff make sense. Those two variables, what you don't see, and maybe this will make some other things come into place, come to fit together for some of you. In fact, what you don't see is processing has, without you realizing it, said class something, and there's a bunch of stuff here that we don't really care about, and, and a curly brace down here. And that void draw is actually an instance method in that class. So, and mouse x, y are actually already in here, and we don't see them as well. So this x, y is global to your project, your sketch, which in fact itself is a class, but that's one of the things that processing makes processing what it is as opposed to just sort of plain Java is it threw that in. Hang on, Michael. I'm, I, I haven't quite got to the end of what I think I want to say Izzy's question, and then I'll take, ask for your clarification. So with that sort of long-winded answer, 
prior to us talking about classes, global variables were variables declared outside of any method definition, which in fact really are instance variables in this global class that we don't see. And local variables are variables defined either in the body of the method between the curly braces, or I will also somewhat sloppily refer to the parameters to the function. So when I have, when I have my function, um, you know, Boolean, whatever, int x, right? I, I consider that x essentially a local variable to whatever, okay? Now, your question was, what's the difference between the two? The key difference from processing programming sketches point of view is these, these global ones, what is the key difference, you know, you know operationally? Yeah, what? Somebody said it, I think. They're saved. They're going to stick around from frame to frame. Just like the XY values in your rocket stay there from frame to frame, as long as that rocket object exists, as long as your sketch is alive and running, those variables stick around and they hold their values. Unlike local variables, including parameters, which might get an initial value from the outside, once you get to that curly brace and the function is over, the local variables get forgotten. So that's the key difference. Michael had a question. I answered it. It do, local variables do you renewed. Uh, they get forgotten and start over again every time. So I would actually say the local variables do get renewed. They don't remember their old value. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple of reasons you ask why might we define, not initialize it and define it at the same time. There are a couple of examples where that's come up. So in this um, somewhat arbitrary bit of code I've had up here, here's an example. Suppose I want x's initial value to be a function of the width, right? I have to do it inside of here because if I do it down here, it turns out width actually hasn't been set properly yet, and it'll be zero. So sometimes the thing that you want to use as the expression to do the initialization, it's possible that the variables that are needed for that don't exist or don't have their proper values yet. And that might make me have to do it somewhere else. But I can't declare it inside of setup because then it becomes a local variable and gets forgotten right away. Right? So th that's one example, at least, that says we have to be able to have that difference. And there are probably others, but in our context, that works for me. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Evan. Were you saying that uh, I describe them as globals. We actually know enough now to know that I'm not speaking accurately when I say that. Processing, they're not really global variables. And if you want to think of them as global in this class, I'm okay with that. And they're not really global variables because, in fact, they're instance variables in a class that we don't see. That's one of the little bits of magic that processing does for us that makes it a little bit more gentler to get into Java 2D drawing that we didn't have to do all that setup stuff. For the curious amongst you, export your project as an applet and then go into the applet folder and look for that file that ends in .java and open it up with some nice plain text editor and you'll actually see the actual Java code that was created and all of your code will be there. It'll just have a bunch of other stuff before it that I'll explain in 11 in the spring. Or try to. Michael. Because if I put x equals width divided by 2 right here, x will be 0. Because width is 0 until, si until setup executes. Because width, in fact, is another <laughs> global variable, system variable. 
It's another instance variable in this same class, and it gets its value as a it defaults to zero until you call setup, and then it will either be set to 100 by 100, or it'll be set to whatever size sets it to. But you know, just try it, and you'll discover that in fact it's zero out there. It's got to do with the way the order that processing initializes things. Yeah. So the bitwise yeah. operators, uh, comparison, comparison. Yeah. So uh, I have to admit, um, I haven't done that topic in this class before, and it makes me think I need to spend, take the time, and actually do a carefully laid out lecture on binary numbers. Um, for those of you guys going through this class, yeah, you ought to be able to do that. Um, so a key to what was going on there is we had these operations. So we had, uh, we knew that there's these, you know, true and and false, right? What's that? That's an expression. Uh, let me back up. What's that? Three, yeah, you can all do that, all right? I mean, they're just numbers. One is just a literal number value. It's a perfectly good integer value. It's a specific one. True is a literal Boolean value. They're the same kind. Of, it's, it's, it's the same idea, except there's, it's, they're not as interesting. There's only two of them. With integers, there's, uh, in the case of Java, 32-bit integers, there's two billion of them. But there's two here, right? Um, and so these are just two expressions. They both have a value. The one on the right, some very people quickly said, is three. The value of the one on the left is, you got to be able to do this, false. <laughs> right? That expression is false. So Java has these logical Boolean operators. We had and, we had or, right? So if I had true or false, what's that? True. And we had not true, which is false. Great. So I'm still seeing people, even some people that are producing really fancy programs for me, writing things like, I'll get to your question. I really will. Sorry. If x equals equals true. Now, that's okay. But come on, you're going to take Charlie McDowell's programming class. You've got to show off as being a cool programmer. I, you know, that's like, that's like writing, you know, X is assigned to be 57 times 1. Whatever. You like multiplying by 1, I guess. Okay? What's wrong with just using X? And the answer is nothing. It's better, right? Don't say x equals equals true. Don't even say x equals equals false. What's better than x equals equals false? Not x, right? Okay, so that was a warm-up to remind us about Boolean expressions with true and false. Java, and there are many applications for this, there are situations where we like to manipulate individual bits as if they were true and false, not one and zero, okay? And so in the example with steganography, I took advantage of Java's ability to do that, to manipulate an individual bit as if it's a true or a false, one being true, zero being false. Anybody's had even a little taste of C programming? It turns out in the C programming language, zero, integer value zero can be treated any place where you would expect a Boolean value, and it means false, and anything other than zero means true. But we don't have that in Java. But anyway, that's an aside. So, back to what I was doing in there, is we were taking integers, in this case, 
Pixel values. If you have a question for us, please save it and ask me. And if you have another discussion you'd like to have, you're welcome to have it. I just like to not have it happen in here. Thanks. So if you have an integer value, it's made up of, and this is where I lost some people, but I haven't mentioned it before, 32 ones and zeros, right? So an integer is 32 ones and zeros. I usually didn't try to write out 32 of them, and I would sort of make it shorter, like eight of them. Some number, right? So, so that's some integer value. Let's see, we could actually figure this out. What is that? Let's see, this is, this is one. That would have been two, but we don't have it. That's four. That's eight. That would have been 16, but we don't have it. And that's 32. And I add all those together, and that's what that binary number is. 12, 13, 45, right? So that equals 45 base 10. All right, but that really wasn't what was important. What was important is that I had these sequences of ones and zeros, but I digressed into realizing that those were integers and maybe we cared about what they were. And then what I said you could do is that very similar looking, if you have just one of these symbols instead of two, it's now what's called, question? Question? So, so, wait, so he can ask it and we'll do it because everybody else probably, there's, he's not the only one that has that question. So um, there are these ones and zeros, these can be used between two integer values. And really, what it means is sort of like saying, if I had two, so let's suppose I've got that one, and I have some other pattern, I don't know, zero, zero, that was awfully similar looking, but whatever, okay? And when I write, if it, let's suppose this is x, and suppose this is y. When I write x and y, Right? It's like 1 and 1, 0 and 0, 1 and 1, 1 and 1, 0 and 0, 1 and 0. It's like I had an and between each corresponding pair of bits. Is that what you were asking about? It's just as if I had written that other kind of and between every one of them, and then it just gives me the result of doing this bitwise two at a time, in their corresponding position in that numeric value and giving me the answer. So in this case, if I'm anding then, anding, they both have to be on, so I keep that one and that one, and I ended up with that value as the result. Yeah? So you can use and, you can, but with a single, you can use the vertical bar, or with a single, to do the negation, it's not the exclamation point, but negation is tilde. So in this case, given the x that's up there, if I write tilde x, that's actually equal to 0, 1, 0, 0, 1, 0. I just flip everything. So that's sort of the bitwise negation operator. It, I, I'm, was, it, was there more to it that you wanted to ask, or was that? In the case of and if they're both one, it will be one. Everything else is zero. It, yes. In the case of or, if either one of them or both are one, it will return a one. Yeah. I, don't, I have no idea how you got 32. Sure. Sure, that's the binary representation. That's taking that set of ones and zeros, thinking out of it as, as a base two number. So you're most familiar with working with base 10. So when I write the number, when I write the number one, two, three, four, can you say that out loud to me? What you th would see, if you just saw that, what would you say to someone? What is that? No, nah, that's not what you'd say. That's what I would say. That's oh, somebody else. 1,234. One, yeah. One thousands, two hundreds, three tens, which we have these special words for, like 30, and four ones. Right? And if it was that, it's might be 91 thousands, or if you were being really pedantic here, in this case, if not how a person would say it, it's really nine ten thousands, one one thousand, two one hundreds, three tens, and four ones, right? You're cool with that? That's base ten. You can do that with any base. Now, it turns out in computers, 
We like base 2. Why? Because that's the true digits that the computers store. Computers don't store numbers in base 10. They store them with all these ones and zeros. So some number is just a bunch of digits. The digits that I chose there are symbols that you're familiar with called 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Those are the 10 digits. Notice we started with 0. We ended with 9, which is 1 less than base 10. 1 less than 2 is 1. So the digits we have are 0 and 1. Given those two digits, I can put... That was an arbitrary number I wrote down, right? So give me a binary number. And like the way you like to say them, you said that one was 1, 2, 3, 4. So give me a binary number the way you like to say numbers. No, I'm sorry. No. The only digits are allowed are 0 and 1. Great. So there's a binary number. That's a perfectly good number, just like 9, 1, 2, 3, 4 is a number. This number, we leave it off because it's implied, is base 10. The number I wrote is base 2. That little subscript, if you were in a math class learning this stuff, that little subscript sort of is making it clear that this is not 11,010. It's... It's, uh, we don't have a way to speak them, but if I was using that sort of silly speak I had before, the positions in our base 10 are 1, which is 10 to the 0, 10, which is 10 to the 1, 100, which is 10 times 10, 10 squared, 10 to the 2, 10 to the 3, 10 to the 4. Here it's 2 to the 0, 2 to the 1, 2 to the 2, 2 to the 3, 2 to the 4. All right? So let's see, that's... Uh, 2 is okay, this is 4, 8, 16. So I would, sort of being silly, I'd say this is 116, 18, 12, and that's it. So 16 plus 8 plus 2 is that number, whatever that is, uh, 26. So this is equal to 26 base 10. Right? Now, we haven't done anything that really cares what the numbers are. Um, but I just thought I would make that connection so you could see what they are. For the exercise that we did with steganography, all that really mattered was it was a bunch of ones and zeros that somehow corresponded to a pixel value. But in fact, eight of those bits, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, turns out the maximum value you can store with eight bits is 255, which, not coincidentally, is the maximum value you give to fill for setting a red, green, blue component because, in fact, there are eight bits allocated for each of those components. So I'm, part of me, the reason for telling you this is like some of these things I've been telling you are all going to start to connect and make sense. It's not a magic number. 255 is not some weird arbitrary number, right? It's, it's the biggest value you can store in eight bits. And that's why we chose it because we used one byte, which we call eight bits, one byte for each of those red, green, and blue components. Um, Is there something there that you don't understand that I've said so far? No, I mean, I have to go. I have to study it. But. Okay. Um, I would not rule out putting a very simple base to number conversion. I, uh, I mean, I, I think you can all handle 2 to the 3 and 2 to the 4 and 2 to the 5 and figure those numbers out. Maybe not whip them off as quickly as I do beyond, you know, 8, 16, 32, 64, 120, 256, 5, 12, 10, 24. I, I, I sort of stopped there, but 20, 48 probably comes out. Anyway, some people can go even further, right? Because they just see these numbers all the time, right? <clears throat> yeah, Evan. So it's not the entire final, so I will leave you others that want to ask questions and take this conversation elsewhere. I'm perfectly happy to talk about binary numbers for the rest of today's class, but I said it might be on the final. I assure you it will not be a preponderance of the final. Um, I also talked about that it's very convenient to write these things as hexadecimal values, and that's even less important at this point. You bet. You, you can ask any question you want. I'm just putting out to the rest of the class. If people keep asking me about binary numbers, I'm going to keep talking about them. So, and that's all right with me. How did you get 26? How did I get 26? Yeah, 16 plus 8 plus 4. How did I get... Uh, I don't know which example. Did I make a mistake? I don't know. Um, that particular number is 16 for the 1, 8 for the 1, 4 for that 1. 
That's two. Sorry, I talk, can't talk. Thank you. That's, uh, so it is 26. Good, I did it right. Oh, right. There is no four. Zero, there's no four. There's okay. no four and there's no one. Oh, okay. I get right, and now we notice that low bit tells us whether it's even or odd. Right? So now you could be really cool and you could write a, a cool if statement. Instead of, instead of that mod one, you could say if x and, that's an and, if x and 1 is equal to 1, then what? What does that mean? It means it's odd. It means the low bit was on. It means it had a 1, and all the rest of the things it had were powers of 2, so it was odd. You have a bunch of power multiples of 2, and then you add 1, you're going to get it with an odd number. Right? I mean, that was kind of a silly way to write it, but that would work. That, that, is, that is not even a CS thing. That is pre-CS. That is just a way of representing numbers. There's probably some fancy term for this, the, the, all these number systems that have you know, this positional notation. Does that, somebody help me out here. I don't like the way we do this. I'm sure there's, there's a word for that, but I've forgotten what it is. I'm not a math teacher. so Yeah. You know, do base 7 or 3 or 8 or 16. <clears throat> Yes, ma'am. I didn't bring the quiz. If you tell me what it is, oh, I did have a quiz here. Number two on quiz three. Let's see. Oh God, that's a scary-looking thing. Uh, let's see. I can get that up here on the screen here. <clears throat> so I. Uh, Quiz three. Where's quiz two? Where's quiz three? There's quiz four. Am I not seeing it? I not put do quiz three here? Oh, you know what? I wonder if it ended up on the. <laughs> it uh, one of these. I actually put it on the wrong class. Let's see. Um, shoot. Did I accidentally put it in here? No? Hmm. Well, okay. Forget that. So, quiz three is one of these um, four loops. And, and that's a good one. So, let's uh, figure out how to do this. Um, it would have been so helpful if it had been there. I must have just munged the quiz in and <clears throat> with the same ones. So let's see if I can find a processing example that does that. Not it. Sorry about this. Um, hmm. Oh, here we go. There it is. Okay. So, here's the program, or a variation of it. And what I really recommend that you do, there's two approaches to this kind of a problem. Okay? So, one approach, when you see a nested loop like this, or any piece of code, go to the in, figure them out from the inside out, sort of like a bottom-up approach. You go in and you look at the inside of this loop and you say, what does this piece of code do? Right? So we look in here and we see it sets row equal to zero. And then as long as row is less than this thing, whatever it is, 
it draws, oh, it draws a rectangle at row and row changes. So it draws a rectangle at row and then it moves over and draws a rectangle at row. And in hindsight, as I was going over this with somebody in my office, I kind of think I've maybe misnamed row and column here. And it's always a problem with X and Y and what you think of as the row and the column. I kind of think it makes sense because it seems to be like it's moving that row across the column. But So it probably should have changed the names and called them X and Y and then it wouldn't have happened. But in any case, it draws one at row, which is the X value. It increments row and draws another one. And then it increments the X value and draws another one until it gets up to max Y. So now I know what that code does. So can somebody restate what that code does? Simply, nice high-level abstraction of what that code does. Anastasia, can you, what does it do? It draws a row of boxes that are each 10 by 10, right? Great. So now we know that code draws a row of boxes. Now, we don't know where the y-coordinate of those boxes is, but we do know that they'll all be the same because column is not changing in here. And we don't know how many of them we'll draw because we don't really know what that is. But we know what that code does. Right? So you just you make a note to yourself at this point. You could write on your paper. I can't write on this particular screen. So I hear, you know, draw a row of boxes over to max xy at column, uh, sorry, at, uh, and it's really bad here. This is bad. <laughs> Um, at Y position, yeah, I was going to say at row column. Ah! I really, they're really backwards. I see that as I talk this out loud. Um, at Y position of COL, right? So that's what it does. Now that we know what that does, what does this loop do? It does that over and over again, changing the value of column. So it draws rows. The first bunch of boxes gets drawn with its y value at 0. The next one gets drawn with its y value at 10, and then 20, and 30, until it gets up to max xy, right? So that's what it does. So we now know what this does. This just draws all, uh, a, a square grid of rectangles, of squares, a square of squares, up to whatever max xy is. And now all we have to do is know what max xy is, and then we notice like, oh, max xy keeps going up by 10. So in fact, the first time we do it, since max xy is 0, it doesn't draw anything. Then it draws one square. Then it draws four squares. Then it draws nine squares. And then 16 squares. Thank you. Anyway, right? So it just keeps drawing those squares. So that's one way of thinking about it, and I'm going to do it in a different way. But before I do that, Question? Evan had a question? So that's sort of, a, I can understand the code and I'm going to abstract it away and do it. The other one is we can just pretend we're a computer and try it and see what happens. And you should be able to do both. Evan, you had a question. Yeah, 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 that's this one. So what is it? So this thing, so that row of boxes is controlled by, I'm, if I haven't misnamed it as well, like I did with row and column, um, it's going to keep, it's going to draw them out to the, I believe, the larger of mouse X and mouse Y. So if it's bigger than mouse X, or bigger than mouse y, then I'm going to reset it. But if it's not bigger than either one of them, so is it misnamed here? If either of those is true, I re as long if mouse x is less than this, I'm still going to keep drawing them. And if it's less than that, I'm going to keep drawing them. It goes up to the max. Um, wow, it doesn't. God, did I really do this? This seems backwards, doesn't it? Uh, if it reaches either one of them, 
if mouse x gets up to, oh, it's mouse, it's max x that's increasing. Sorry, it's mouse x that's increasing. So as soon as mouse x gets, as soon as max xy gets bigger than either one of them, it gets reset. It should have been, I don't like it. It looks like min to me at the moment. Right? Somebody, am I being blamed because I'm sitting up in front of the class on a Friday afternoon at the end of 10 weeks? Um, as soon as, what's that? It's going to reset as soon as max xy is bigger than either one of them. And if it's bigger than just one of them, it is the maximum value of x and y. I guess it depends on how you interpret what that variable means. It's the maximum value of these. That's how I named it that. It's the maximum value of the xy of the squares that's being drawn. Sorry, that's why I called it that. It, in fact, gets reset at the minimum of mouse x or mouse y. So two uses of max and min here. Yeah, way in the back. This? It just changes the variable max. So let me do the other version. It sets max x, y equal to zero. So let's do this. What I was going to do with this now. So um, the only way I know to do this is I'm going to shrink this window a little bit so we can see most of this code still. If I can get it to do it. So there we go. And I'm going to move this over here. And let's see, I think I have to hide this and hide this. Now, oh, I'm going to move this over here, sorry. I'm going to move this over here. And now, okay, so at this point, I can draw on the screen and you'll see what's behind there. Here's what I would do, and in fact, last winter, I didn't make you guys do it. When students missed this on the quiz, I gave a little sort of exercise for you to go home and work on afterwards, which is essentially to try to work through this code. I think I posted it and shared it for you to do if you wanted to look at it, to try to just be a computer and see what it does. All right, so in this case, um, the way I was suggesting that you do this is we're going to keep track of all the variables that we've got here. So can, I, can you guys see that? There's max x, y. And we're going to have that one. And we're going to carry it. And we're going to be concerned with um, column's going to show up first. So I guess I'll write it there first. And then row is going to show up. And for the sake of discussion here, we're going to, um, let's let mouse X and mouse Y um, be, uh, well, I wanted to get up to 20. I don't know. We'll, we'll sort of worry about that at the moment. We'll let them be, I don't know, 2150, right? That's mouse X, mouse Y. I, I, don't, I can't, I don't walk through this whole thing. It might take a little longer than I, I'm willing to do. But let's start this program off and see what happens. Okay, so the program starts, it sets, it sets mouse xy to zero. I'm going to draw a new line every time some variable changes. So I'm going to, I'm going to sort of drop down, and each time, any time I make an assignment to a variable, I'm going to make a new line to make it really clear what's going on. The current value of the variable is the last thing in the column, okay? So we set max xy equal to zero, it goes and calls setup, it does, sets the size, it does the frame rate, and then draw starts, and it says is max xy greater than mouse x, and zero is certainly not greater than whatever I got there, 21, nor is zero greater than mouse y, so that if statement is false, it doesn't set max xy to zero, but it's already zero anyway. And I'm going to keep this one a little bit short. It comes in here. It actually, well, let's do it. It sets column equal to zero. So there, column gets set equal to zero. And it checks to see is zero less than max xy. Who's following? Who am I talking to? Okay, good. So is zero less than zero? No. And what happens next? The loop is over. We never even get into the loop because it falls immediately and it jumps down to here and sets max xy to be max xy plus 10. So we now have max xy is 10, right? 
And that's the end of frame one. In the little exercise, I drew a line here. Frame one is over. Draw is over. New game, the only thing that stuck around was max xy, because it's a global variable, the first topic of the day, right? So max xy is still around. It's 10. We come back here one thirtieth of a second later. We draw the background. We look and see, is 10 greater than 21? No. Is 10 greater than 50? No, it doesn't do that. And it comes in here and starts again and sets column equal to zero. This time it says, is zero less than 10? Yes. What happens next? We go into the inner loop. And we know in our mind what's going to happen right now in words. Anastasia, you said it before. In words, what's going to happen now? We've got to hear. If I wasn't going to step through it, what's going to happen? Yeah, not Anastasia, but that works. Anyway, it's going to draw a row of squares that goes um, up to 10, right? In fact, it doesn't include its x as 10 because this is a strictly less than. So it's going to draw some a fairly short row of squares at a y value of Zero. So, in fact, somewhere, if we could have room to draw it, let's see. Well, we'll have our little picture down here. So, down, right down here is our little picture. There's the display, and it draws one little, well, it didn't do it yet, sorry. It comes in here and sets row equal to zero, right? Row is less than 10. Now we draw my little first little square. There's my first square at 0, 0. Row is 0. Column is 0. Width and height are 10, 10. Draws the first square. Increments row to 10. And checks to see if 10 is less than 10, which is false. The end of that loop. We get to here and does what next? Increments column. Column goes to 10. Test to see if 10 is less than 10, which is false. That's over. The for loop is over. It increments max xy by 10. It's now 20, the end of the frame, and we've drawn one square. Oh, God. Aren't you glad computers do this stuff? You don't have to, right? But we need to understand how they work. I'm actually still answering your question, right? So this is my second approach, is to just step through the code. If, you, if you're just freaking out and you can't, you know, you can't just sort of see what it does. Step through it. And hopefully, without too many steps, something will start to emerge. Okay, so we drew one square. We've got it there. We, come, we start all over again. Is 20 greater than 21? Nope, made it. <laughs> okay, so that's not true. 20 is also not greater than 50. It still doesn't change max xy. We come in here, and we once again set column to zero. Is this becoming repetitive to anyone? Raise your hand. Right? It's getting pretty repetitive, but we'll go just a little bit further. We set, I'm going to go faster. I start speeding up as I get what's going on. Question? Question? John, does he have a question that I can help? We can all learn from? The single line if statement. Sure. So um, I could have put this on a separate line, and I could have put a curly brace here and a curly brace there, but in fact, I don't need to. I'll remind you, I said this early on in the quarter, and most of you probably didn't pay attention then. In Java, white space, which includes blank lines, tabs, and space characters, if you can use one, you can use a thousand in any combination. So the fact that I could have put this on a separate line is no different than putting it here. In fact, that space isn't even required because of this closed parent. So I could put zero spaces, or I could put 100 spaces in 50 blank lines and five tabs, and it's all the same. White space doesn't matter. It's about formatting and making it easy for the human to read. The, all of you see me when I'm in the lab. like, please, auto-format. I'd like to see the indenting because I can read them e easier when they're formatted. I tend to not do this, but I wanted it. I was a little bit squeezed for vertical space, so I put it on one line. Okay? Is that clear? Good question. It's a great question. Thanks for sharing it with everybody. All right. So we set column equal to zero. Column less than 20 is true, and we now know what this is going to do. We can maybe do it fairly quickly, but we'll step through it. We set row equal to zero. Zero is less than 20, and we draw a square at, oh, there it is. It just redraws. Oh, right, because we do the, back, we, I forgot. We did the background. Whoops, I the wrong button here. Which button did I want? That one. Right? We did the background, so it's all gone. Everything's gone because we did the background. 
So it redraws that little square, right? And um, but so it draws that square. It increments row to ten. Ten is still oh, that's interesting. Ten is still less than twenty. So it draws another square with the y value the same. It draws one there. It increments row to 20. 20 is not less than 20. That one's over, right? We now have finished this loop. We get to that curly brace. We jump back up and increment column by 10. Column is 10. And we start all over again doing exactly the same thing. The only thing that's changed is what? the y-coordinate of where I'm going to draw them, right? It's like, okay, I can do this, right? So it sets row to 0, draws a square there, sets row to 10, draws a square there, sets row to 20, the inner loop is over, increments column to 20, the outer loop is over, increments max, call, max xy, and I've run out of space, increments max xy to 30, Frame is over. It comes back, and I just squeaked it in, because what's going to happen now? We come in here. 30 greater than 21 is true, and it sets max xy to 0, and it'll start redrawing the square from the beginning again. All right? So in the very next frame, I'll get nothing, and then the next frame, I'll get one square, and the next square, I'll get four squares. And it'll just keep doing that. Nothing, one, four. Nothing, one, four. Nothing, one, four until I move the mouse. Anastasia, did that help? Yeah, why didn't it see Why? Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was wrong. I don't know. Is this, may, this may not be exactly the one on the version that you have there, right? There's multiple versions. I don't know that there's a perfect match here. Um, I believe on one of those versions, so the weirdness that I did for that one is I took this row equals zero line, and I moved that row equals zero line up here, right? And if I move the row equals zero line, I sort of leave it to you as an exercise to see what happens. So what's going to happen is the first frame, when we come into a frame, we're going to go and we're going to set rows going to go 0, 10, 20, right? And we're going to increment column to 10. And then what's going to happen? It's going to look at, remember, I didn't set row back, I didn't set row back to zero. So it's going to go row, it's going to come in, draw the first row, 10, 0, 10, 20, increment column to 10, and then it's going to look at row and see row is 20, 20 less than 20 is false, and it doesn't draw anything. So in one of those two versions on that quiz, it just draws that row of boxes across the top because this thing is misplaced, which is an argument for using what instead? A for loop. A for loop avoids making that mistake of getting it in the wrong place. It forces you to do, if you're going to do this kind of a looping structure, for loop's the right thing. It sort of gets all these pieces together. So that was partly why I put that question on there. It's always good to ask, why did he put this question on your own? What concept is being tested? And if you know that and can answer it, then you really are ready to get an A in here. So, so, so ask yourself, what is this question about? Is this about variables? Is this about loops? Is this about some weird expression? Is he just trying to figure out if I understand the modulus operator? What is he testing here? Maybe more than one thing sometimes. Especially on a final exam, I have to sort of cram lots of stuff into one. Yeah, Michael. How did I get to the... In the original version, um, well, 20, so it's row is 10. 10 is less than max xy, which is 20, right? Max xy is 20. 10 is less than that, right? It draws another one, and it increments it to 20 right there. I forget the mouse. My mouse is stuck at 2150. If you move the mouse, you know, all bets are off. It's a whole new game, Right? I mean, I could have made mouse XY be 75 and 90, and then I never would have seen max XY go back to zero. But I wanted it to go back to zero without us being here all day. And by the way, I'm going to wrap up here in about five minutes, 10 minutes max, because I do want to give you 10 minutes to complete the course evaluations here.
Did y'all bring your clickers? Yeah, so you stuck around, you brought your clickers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know you showed up here today, so let me um, fire that up while I take... We're going to have time for about one more question. So it doesn't matter what you click, because I'm just going to know that you clicked something today. So just click away. But quiet. Okay, so questions. Another question or clarification of that one? That's a good one. A lot of good stuff in here, right? We got loops, we got if statements, we got variables, we got local variables, we got non-local variables. About the only thing, the important concept of the, the sort of up to that place where I said there was a major sort of break. So leaving out objects and arrays, what's the other one concept that's not tested by this example? There's only one what I see as major concept that's not captured by this example. Functions with parameters and return values, exactly. So other than that, this is a great example. It's all lots of good stuff. And if you really understand that, I will do my darndest to make sure you can, can reflect a passing grade in this class because you've really got what's going on. And if you don't, Anyway, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go back here. Yeah, I'm not quite caught up with my emails. If you email me in something less than the last four hours, you should have already heard back from me. If you didn't, you might want to email me again. I do try to acknowledge those just so everybody knows we're on the same page. Um, I did have a bunch of emails because I was at a talk right before class that I have not all responded to. Yeah. Sure. Take your five quiz scores, add them up, multiply by two. If that number is greater than or equal to 80, you do not have to take the final. Uh, sure, I'll have my office hour on Monday as usual, I guess. Let's say in the afternoon. I, I, I think so. Uh, um, yeah. I don't, see, I don't see why not unless I, I realized it was something special money, but I think so. Yes, please. Write the missing method interleave. Oh, that was a cool problem. I like that problem. So uh, who made that up? Anyway, <laughs> so that was, a, that was a, on one of the final exams that I've given recently. There was a problem that asked you to <clears throat> to um, write a method that takes two arrays and interleave their values. So, and in that one, I actually, I think I used strings, but the idea was you might have two arrays. And in that one, they were strings, but they could be anything. And there's a function, we're going to have, and I'm going to define some other, here's setup. Setup's going to call my function. So called interleave, I'll just call it inter because I can't spell leave. Interleave, I'm going to pass it X and Y, and it actually is going to return something, so I'm going to save that in yet another array, Z, all right? <clears throat> and the function, what the function is supposed to do is alternate the values. That's what I mean by interleave. So when I interleave X and Y, I should get one array with six elements, where the elements are 10, 5, 27, 39. As six elements. So that's what I wanted it to be. All right? And that's not too hard to do. Right? So it returns an array. That's a fairly advanced, that's really kind of near the end. But remember, you can return anything. So it's going to return an array. I called it enter. It takes two array parameters. Let's call them A1 and A2. 
And then what does it need to do? So it needs a loop. How many times does my loop need to go around? In that particular example. Three times. There are three things, right? So one from, he, one from A, one from column A, one from column B. That's once. Another one from column A, another one from column B. That's twice. Another one from column A, column B. That's, so it's going to go around three times. Of course, I'm not going to put three in here. I'm going to have a loop that says for int i equals zero, i less than what? Not x. A1 dot length. X is some we don't know. When I'm writing the function, the thing that I care about is the parameter that gets passed, not that global variable. So A1 dot length, I'm going to assume they're both the same length, so either one would have been fine. I plus plus. And what does it need to do? Well, let's see. Oh, we need a place for the answer. So if I need a place for the answer, I'm going to declare it. If I'm computing a sum, I might have an integer called sum. If I'm computing a product, I might have an integer called product. If I'm computing some Boolean value, I might have a, a result called the answer. In this case, it's an array of integers that I need, and I'll call it result. And how big is result? It's six, but I don't want six here because that would be a special case. I want this function to work for any two arrays that are the same length. A1 dot length. Now, since they're supposed to be the same length, if you want to be really smart, you could probably, that would probably work, right? Because they're supposed to be the same length. So times two or a1 dot length plus a2 dot length, but that didn't fit on my screen, so I went with this. And now what am I going to do? Well, in result, I is going to get what? How am I going to, how do I do this? Let's see. Um, result I is going to get A1I and result I plus 1 is going to get A2i. I think that's it, right? Uh, that's not quite right. What did I do wrong? So this could work um, if I multiply i times 2. So there's two ways to fix this. I either could multiply this i times 2 and this i times 2. Notice it'll, be, it'll go 0, 2, 4. Or I could change this to be inter.length and make that be i equals i plus 2. Either one of those would work fine, right? Let's, let's pick one. Uh, which one do you like better? Do you like the i plus 2? I kind of like i plus 2. So let's change this to be uh, i equals i less than result dot length, and I'm going to do two at a time, so i, and we'll be really fancy because I don't have much room there, plus equals 2. That's that scary way of saying i equals i plus 2. And this will actually work. And since processing knows how to print out arrays, if I just do print line Z, we should actually be able to test this thing. I didn't return the result. Thank you. We forgot. We, we computed. What's happening here? I didn't close off my function either. So let's see. Result. Close off my for loop. Return the result. And put a semicolon. That something indenting looks a little funky. What's happening here? Tools, auto format. That looks good. Let's see what happens. When we run it, uh, I have one down there that I can't see because it's being weird on me. Why is it doing this? There we go. Um, so I run it, and it takes a while to start, and something bad happened. Uh, oh, that's interesting. Because of that plus two thing, we got to stop a little sooner here. One more time. Oh, God. Whose idea was it to use the I2 thing? I don't like that. All right, we'll get it. There we go. All right, so there we see them. They're all there, but you can see the last one. There's sump 2739. Now remember, we didn't use three. We didn't use those numbers because, of course, that's, this is just one particular set of data values. 
right? The, fun- the thing will continue to work fine if I add more values on here, right? And I can add, as long as I add the right number on here as well, right? And the program still works fine, right? Or maybe I don't even want to send it X and Y. Maybe I want to just interleave X with itself, right? Whatever, right? So I get two pairs of all of those things. That's just a function that does it. So I am out of time. I really need to stop because I really would like your feedback about how the class went this quarter. For those of you who are here, I appreciate you being here today. Um, I will take more questions. I will continue to monitor Piazza. I did bring the quizzes after I handed